Hello, champ. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. It's a pleasure to be here. What's the feeling like to be world champion? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really think it's sunk in yet, to be honest. Like, I don't, I don't really feel like a world champion, you know. It just feels like, I don't know, life goes on. <laughs> you know, there's always more challenges and bigger things to do in the future. So, yeah, it was nice to, to have a good party in Valencia. But, um, yeah, uh, like I said, there's more challenges and, and things to to move on into the future and uh, actually I was sitting the other day with my with my mate <laughs> after training some trials I was like holy shit I'm, I'm a world champion man he's like yeah I know that's crazy I can't believe it <laughs> I was is, like, it is it extra special that uh, you are now a world champion and your father is always is yeah. also a world champion yeah I mean now you know he can yeah. <laughs> it'd be nice for him when he it'd be nice when he tries to tell me something I'm like uh, 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 I know what I'm doing I'm also a world champion you know <laughs> So, can you describe to me the initial feeling right after the race? Yeah, for sure. There was a, uh, a lot of emotions, for sure. Um, definitely a few tears going up to the finish line, but uh, yeah, the tears passed pretty fast, and it was kind of just uh, you know super excitement and and you know just uh, just relief that you know I've done it. You know, I couldn't couldn't believe it, and uh, it didn't feel real. You know, it was kind of like a surreal moment. So you already realized while you were racing that you will be the world champion? Uh, not, not while racing, but uh, from the last corner to the, okay, to the okay. finish line, yeah. Okay. While I was racing, no, I was, uh, <laughs> I was super tense on the bike. You know, I was not riding very well that weekend. But yeah, definitely from the last corner to the finish line, I knew it was going to happen. So I just have to thank you that we are able to uh, were able to experience this live because I obviously uh, watched the race live in Valencia It was amazing and yeah thank you yeah no worries sir <laughs> um, what are your thoughts during the race I mean we all knew Raul probably was winning the race mm -hmm. and uh, obviously he had to and what were your uh, your thoughts there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I obviously knew that Raul was going to, you know, go all or nothing. Uh, that's what he had to do. Uh, he had to win the race. And, um, yeah, I mean, for sure our plan uh, was a little bit different, you know. Uh, we had to, you know, finish in the top 13. And, you know, like I think, like I said, you know, in previous statements, you know, the, the work was done before we got to, to Valencia. And uh, the key moment in the championship was Portugal. Um, winning that winning that race and and getting those few extra points uh, to bring it nearly to uh, to the championship in in Portugal. So yeah, it was uh, the first time in my life where I just had to you know actually ride conservative. So uh, yeah, it was it was a bit strange, but um, definitely uh, yeah, Raul had had a different mission. But um, yeah, my mine was just finish the race in in a respectable position. So uh, the strategy was just to finish in the top 13 and do whatever it takes to win the championship. Yeah. And um, I believe that if you had to finish eighth, you would have. Yeah. And if you had to finish fifth, you would have. So yeah. that's no, for sure. yeah, probably yeah. the right assumption. 100%. You know, I was, I was riding super stiff, you know, as well. And also with my ribs, I was, I was having a, a pretty bad time on the bike physically. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if I had to... I would have, you know, finished where I had to, but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you ride to where, where you need to finish, you know, in the end I didn't need to risk more. And like I said, the, the, the job was done, 
before Valencia. So that was the idea, you know, to to try and have it more or less wrapped up for Valencia. So, um, you know, I didn't have to put all or nothing on the line. <laughs> yeah. That performance in Portugal, we also attended the race live, yeah. was so gangster. Yeah. I mean, Raul was in front and he pulled like a one or two second gap mm -hmm. be, because he had the softer tire. Yeah. And I always kept telling her, okay, he will win at the end because he always have more left in the tank mm. at the end of the race. And with the pain of the ribs, yeah. were they broken or just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they were broken? Yeah, they were broken. Two broken ribs. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Ten, tenth and eleventh ribs. So after the, actually after the testing in MotoGP, uh, I went on the Monday after the testing to get a, a CAT scan. I didn't, I didn't tell anyone. But uh, yeah, I went, went and did a, a, a CT scan on my ribs and had a, a tenth and eleventh rib completely broken. Luckily, they weren't you know, um, out of place or dislodged. But yeah, yeah, that was snapped. <laughs> that makes it even more gangster. But the way you dealt with the pressure and the way you drove or rode towards yeah. Roll, overtook yeah. him, and everybody knew he had to win this race. Yeah. He had to, and he simply couldn't. And this was, for me, the defying moment of your championship. So kudos to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, for was, sure. It was a good one. Yeah, thank you. I, I personally think that was one of my best races in my life, to be honest. You know, like you said, with all the pain of the ribs uh, was, you know, pretty, it was pretty gnarly, you know. Uh, actually, before, after the warm-up, warm before the race, something, something had moved again. And I was having a lot of pain, like just sitting there eating lunch. And I was, I was telling Clara, my girlfriend, like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in a lot of pain right now. Something's moved. It's, it's it's hurting a lot and she's like oh no no it's just because you've cooled down you you know you, you when you warm up you'll be fine you'll be fine it's nothing and i'm like yeah yeah no but it's something and something's it's really hurt and she's like you'll be fine you'll be fine come on <laughs> she's like in spanish it's like shut up and move your ass you know like <laughs> and in the end i had no option so in the end i just had to go out there and, and just you know try and put the pain aside and and uh, and trust in the decision with the hard tie that we made And, and do my best and in the end it all worked out did you take painkillers no 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 i don't like riding with painkillers so okay yeah yeah because you get some of the news like lorenzo in Aston mm. 2013 and he had painkillers and you see it in the performance of the riders then at the beginning they are pretty strong and yeah. you think okay they can maybe do something here and at the end they always dip and that's something which uh was so gangster as well that yeah. you kept the performance right <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. until no, the for end. sure for sure and i was riding fast all the way to the to the for the last laps you know yeah i mean i've never liked riding with painkillers and uh you know i think the the adrenaline does enough and uh and i kind of use the pain as motivation can you describe the feeling uh with uh to someone who hasn't ridden motorcycles on this level mm -hmm. what it feels like to ride with painkillers yeah i mean You're just not, I don't know, for me personally, I just, I'm not like completely all there, let's say, you know, like not completely focused on what I'm doing. Um, you know, I can still ride well. And uh, I have to say in the test in the MotoGP, I did take painkillers. Uh, it was a test. And basically the, the second or third outing on the bike, uh, as I was changing directions, like something went, ah, something cracked again. And, and I lost my breath and came back in the pits and I was like, guys, something's broken. <laughs> I just broke, rebroke the rib or something. 
and they're like, oh, go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital, and, and Dr. Charter's like, here, yeah. he's got out a big bag of drugs. He's like, take a few of them, and you'll be fine. So I took some, and I was like, half off my face. And I was like, all right, let's go. Let's try. <laughs> and I actually didn't ride too hard, too too bad. But, uh, but yeah, you know, in, in a race, you need to be completely 100% there and, and focus on what you're doing. And, and for sure, when the painkillers wear off, uh, I think you start to feel it more. So, you know, if you start with the pain, you can kind of just forget about it after a while. Try and forget about it, at least. So, um, I want to talk to you a little bit about Austin, because you pretty much had the championship in the back, and then you crashed. And then you had the difficult weekend in Misano, where you got lucky that Raul crashed. I mean, he got put a few stones in his way. So... um, What's the feeling like after Austin? Yeah, yeah. Um, Austin was, yeah, definitely a tough weekend. Um, you know, I was actually pretty quick uh, all weekend. Raul seemed to have, you know, just a, a tenth on me in one braking zone, a little bit on the straights as well as there were long straights. Um, but honestly, I was feeling quite good for the race and, and honestly quite confident to, to uh, you know, fight for the win um, with Raul as we were both, you know, a step um a step in front of most guys um yeah um i kind of got swamped by bobier and and digi antonio the first you know three four laps and and unfortunately that opened up you know about one and a half second gap to to raul two seconds and uh i was starting to you know once i got past those guys starting to push and, and come back to raul um and yeah with uh, with the asphalt there basically if you watch the image there's two bits of asphalt where they join and that's basically my front tire went in there just went you know five centimeters wider and, and my front tire went into the to the join of where the two bits of asphalt join up and and the thing tucked so yeah one of the few crashes that i had this year um but yeah definitely uh definitely a difficult moment but you know in the end i was i think i handled it pretty well you know honestly and we still had three races to go after that championship wasn't lost and I got back to the box and I was like, I'm sorry guys, but you know, it is what it is. I crashed, uh, got to pick ourselves up and we got three races to go like hell and, and just absolutely and do the best we can and, and just, you know, change a little bit the strategy and attack a little bit more during the weekend. So yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of just, you know, accepted it, moved past it and that was it and just got on to, to the next, you know, the next job at hand was, was at Misano which was also another tough weekend for, you know, weather and we didn't have any time to try the tires and, and I made a last decision tire to, um, um, last decision with the tire on the grid when we went with, for the soft and, uh, you know, now looking, it's easy to say maybe I should have stayed with the hard, but yeah, it was uh, definitely a strange weekend and, and, you know, for once in my life, I actually got a bit lucky, like you said, um, which I've had a lot of bad luck in the past. So I guess all that kind of, all that bad luck accumulates and one day you've got to get a bit lucky. So yeah. Um, but you know, in the end, it's just uh, it's the positive mindset you got to keep. So I want to talk to you about your journey. Yeah. Obviously you come from Australia. Mm-hmm. You started with a dirt track in Australia and yeah. then you made the big move to Spain. Uh, what's that journey like for a young kid? Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a big change. Um, I was 14 when I, when we moved over. Um, it was a big change for, for me, for my family. We didn't speak the language, um, had no friends, new school, 
everything was new. It was completely foreign and a different country, and and uh, yeah, it was a big, it was a big, you know, gamble. Let's say. Um, but yeah, you know, after a few years, you get used to it. And I'd say about the fourth year, something like that, I, you know, it kind of felt like home. Um, I was starting to speak the language, and you know, everything was going. You know, it looked like it was, you know, getting better every year. So there was progress at least, and uh, yeah, um, there were definitely you know two hard years in the Spanish Championship. My last year was not so bad, and and lucky lucky enough, I was able to secure a, a Moto Three ride in, in the World Championship. So when you arrive in a new country, and um, your brother came with you, right? Yeah, my brother. And uh, your dad and my your mom and my dad, the whole family. They yeah. came, everybody. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so <laughs> to start, to start, <laughs> we're all separated now, but but yeah. And um, what's it like to to experience like a totally new world? I can imagine yeah. that, especially at the age you are, you are not. I guess at at fourteen, you are not as secure as an adult. Uh, you don't speak the language. Um, you probably went to school in Spain, and um, had to deal with all the motorcycle stuff aside did it uh, affect your performance in a way or what was that like for you yeah for sure uh, when, like when you're a kid you don't you know you don't really understand what's going on and you know um you know i had a pretty clear what the mission was was to you know go to spain to to learn to ride faster um, when I arrived, my, my level was, you know, really, really low, um, as the level in Australia is, is, is quite low. Um, so it took me a few years to get going with the racing side. Um, we went to an American school at least, you know, so we had still schooling in English, but, uh, yeah, it was difficult to make friends because, you know, we didn't speak the language, like you said, and, and you, you know, you kind of dropped in a completely different world and it's like, all right, go and do your thing you know it's like like you said tough to manage between moving country uh the school finding friends and and the racing i'm not sure it had a such an effect on the racing as a kid as i was you know i was still learning a lot um with with road racing because i only started uh, road racing at 13 so only dirt bikes before only dirt bikes until 13 and uh so i didn't have any i didn't have much experience so it was like you know, I was really slow when I was <laughs> when we moved it I wasn't really slow but you know I wasn't at the level of, of what I should have you know what the world championship guys are at you know I was still missing at least you know two or three seconds so a lap so it's there was a lot to learn for me especially and uh, yeah I don't know I kind of just every time I went out on the bike it was always an improvement and, and every race was always uh, seemed to be an improvement as well so and every year as well there's always been a small step um But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Kind of just came naturally, and for sure, the first two years in Spain were quite tough, and we were close to going back home, but uh, back to Australia. But you know, we hung in there, and it paid off. <laughs> it did. It did. Finally, it did. <laughs> Is there a moment that stood out to you that represents that uh, almost going back, almost uh, quote unquote giving up? Yeah, for sure. Not not a moment, but. Uh, You know, it was kind of, it was tough for the family. It was tough for everybody. And we didn't speak any Spanish and we didn't have any friends, especially the first two years. It was, you know, we didn't know where we were. We, 
we were struggling just to do basic things you know go to the shops and buy stuff it was that was a drama you know so um also the racing the first year was quite horrible um performance wise but uh the second year racing started to get a little bit better and uh i think i even had a podium in the spanish championship and and uh but yeah we were still you know the same problem like you know we're in this foreign country we don't know <laughs> how to do anything we're like completely useless you know um but yeah after the second year we, it was it was starting to get better yeah every time i'm in a foreign country and i don't speak the language and people don't speak english well enough i feel like a complete idiot yeah so feel useless yeah I mean, pretty I, much I, I pretty do much anything here you know if you can't actually communicate so that that for sure was a big thing the language so, barrier yeah, language is a big thing hmm. because you like you said you can't do anything and when <laughs> i had spanish in school and uh, i failed miserably and you feel stupid i mean even if you're an intelligent human being yeah, and yeah. you can articulate in german or whatever in english yeah. um or whatever wherever you're from As soon as you speak a language you don't know well enough, you feel like a complete idiot. <laughs> so yeah, sure. I can. It, it was yeah, it was imagine. tough. It was tough, and yeah, like you said, feeling like an idiot. I, I'd say I probably learned more words about motorbikes and, and racing first than than actually how to order a pizza over the telephone, you know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, definitely, when you can't order a pizza delivery to your house, you feel like an idiot. That's for sure. <laughs> The important stuff first. Right? Exactly, exactly. Pizza and beer. <laughs> Did you feel any extra pressure because of your last name there? Um, Throughout your yeah, career? Honestly, maybe as a kid, maybe a bit more. But uh, I got to a point when I was probably like 16, 17, where I, you know, I couldn't really care less. You know, uh, It was kind of like, this is me. Um, you know, this is my journey. This is my career. And you know, uh, I'm a completely different person to, to my dad. So... Um, yeah, I mean, especially the last few years, no pressure at all. You know, this is, this is my, this is my goal, my dream. So anyone wants to put it any other way than they can. But for me, it was not, it was not that. So you were able to completely separate sure. these things at a young age, which is pretty much beneficial because your dad brings obviously a lot of benefits into yeah. a life, um, as a motorcycle racer. And if you are able to cut out all the negatives, all the pressure, I mean, your dad is world champion. And I can imagine people saying, okay, he will be the next world champion or whatever, that this uh, can be extremely difficult. And if you're able to cut these oh, things for out, sure. for sure. congratulations. Yeah, that, was, that, was, that was the idea, you know, cut that out. And honestly, I never felt, I just never personally felt any pressure from that side. So, yeah, like you said, there were a lot of benefits and, you know, he taught me a lot as a kid and you know, uh, the basics and of how to ride a, ride a motorcycle and, and get me to a certain level, you know, he taught me. So uh, for sure, the last part, you know, had to be done by me, um, especially when I got, you know, to world championship level, that was kind of like my time to work with the team. And, and uh, also, you know, bikes and technology and a lot is different back, back then. So there's a lot more things that are at play uh, in today's racing than, you know, back with the 500. So there's a lot more electronics, a lot more strategy. There's a lot more tires and many other things to change and play with. So it's it's quite different. And, and especially in these days, you know, uh, it's, it's difficult to compare. Um, but uh, yeah, for sure, the basics of riding a motorcycle, uh, he's the one that taught me that. So. 
was there a point where you said to your dad, okay, shut up, leave me alone, this is yeah. my business now? <laughs> yeah, there was, there was. Um, I'd probably say maybe the second year of Tech 3. Uh, he was kind of getting involved with the Tech 3 the first year and it wasn't going well and there was arguments with the team and... You know, he was, ah, oh, the bike's a piece of shit, the bike's a piece of shit. <laughs> I keep saying it publicly, I was like, you need to shut up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, the second year, I was like, all right, you know, let, let me do this on my own. You know, this is my, this is my thing, and, you know, I gotta, I gotta work, you know, with the team and, and do this by myself. And, and, yeah, for sure, he didn't, he didn't take that too well, but, uh, you know, but, uh He had to accept it, and, and from there it's been less and less every year. So, yeah, uh, definitely this year there was you know no interference with the team, and, and he got I, well. I'm sure he trusted Akiyo's team, and, and also I did. So, but uh, yeah, we got the championship. Yeah, you have to be stupid if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean Aki is probably the best thing in Moto3 and Moto2 right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, there aren't sure. many people who uh, have this level of experience and this resume, so... Yeah, no, for sure. He's, even when you know, the bikes weren't that good or he didn't have a good year or good riders, he was still able to you know, get amazing results and, and, and get the most out of whatever they had at that time. So, yeah, I don't know. He's uh, something magical, magical about about Aki. <laughs> <laughs> so looking back you have ridden the Mistral yeah. from Tech 3 and without bashing your team was it a piece of shit or was it a okay <laughs> good bike could it compete with the Kallax? Yeah I mean it wasn't a complete piece of shit no but uh, definitely the Kallax were you know a step in front um, you know they, it was weird they had some races that were you know some tracks where it was half okay And then some other tracks where it was just a complete pig and you couldn't understand why. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I mean, it had its day in the sun and, and we had some decent results on the thing in the end. And, uh, you know, I think we, we qualified on the front row, maybe in Silverstone or something like that. Yeah, we had some, we had some decent results. So it had its day in the sun. It wasn't, wasn't a complete piece of shit, but yeah, definitely, you know, missing the the last step of the calyx had you know it was probably a bike to you know definitely be in the points at, at pretty much every race and and a few top tens as well so yeah it was for me it was a good uh you know stepping stone to to stop and go and and for sure i learned a lot of how to ride you know override problems and 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 ride absolutely 110 even though the bike was you know not giving that um sometimes so it was good you know for me personally to to really understand how to take the bike to another level um even though i didn't want to go there so like i said all these you know all these small steps in my career for sure have been kind of stepping stones and experience that i've accumulated and and you know i think it's all paid off this year so you pretty much had always the ability to take out the good parts and leave the bad parts beside i mean your early career was full of trouble you had mm. horrible injuries yeah. you had a moto three season which wasn't the best yeah. with a one point finish yeah. in philip right. island <laughs> and um the early uh season in moto moto two i believe it was 2017 where you had uh, to go back to 16. the 16 16 yeah, where you had to go back to spanish, the yeah. spanish championship talk me through these yeah. uh, struggles so how were you able to keep your head up high and not mm -hmm. give up yeah for sure there were many really tough moments for me in, in my career and 
you know, I can I can tell you now. You go, you know, through the paddock and and ask anyone there, and I can tell you right now, ninety nine percent of them said would have said that you know before this year that I'll never be a world champion. I can promise you that. Um, yeah, definitely a tough tough journey. Uh, Moto three was a really tough year for me. I win the world championship was with a Mahindra in probably the worst year of Mahindra. I was also quite big and tall for for that bike and uh, had a bit of bad luck as well and I knew I could ride really fast and following other guys that would be you know top five all the time and you know I'd ride around the outside of them around in in the middle of the corners and I just but they'd just fly past me down the straights and I just it was you know I knew I could do it but I just didn't have the bike at that point so yeah that was that was tough and it was hard to you know get anyone's you know confidence to take me to uh, you know take me for the next year as it was a disastrous you know first season and uh yeah unfortunately i had to go back to to the spanish championship for 2016 and start with the moto 2 and basically i moved up to the moto 2 because of my size and um i was just you know i was weighing 66 kilos already um when I was 18 years old, so, you know, 17, 18 years old, which is normal weight and size for a kid, you know, but, you know, all these other kids are like jockeys, you know, they're all 50 kilos, and uh, that makes a big difference, so moved up to the Moto2, uh, straight away was fast, I think I won, I had many problems, uh, mechanical problems in the Spanish, always oil coming out of the bike, and I won one of the races, I think, that I did, and, and managed to get... Um, the seat for Tonucci, I think, in Tasca racing as as a replacement for the rest of the year. So he injured himself, right? And injured himself, or something political happened with the team, or somebody owed money, or something. Something happened. I'm not sure, but I can't remember to be honest. But yeah, I filled in at Montmelo, first race that I did. I scored a point, and um, yeah, and you know, it was it was it seemed like Moto Two was you know my class. And I think I scored another point, scoring point, uh, later that year as well. And I was, you know, always close to the top 15. And for the for a rookie, it was not half bad. And, and obviously the Tasker bike, I think it was like two years older than what everybody else was using as well at that point. So, yeah, it was not bad. It looked okay. And managed to secure the Tech 3 contract. And, uh, yeah, everything, you know, was kind of looking up and then I really struggled in 2017 with the Tech 3 bike. I think I had a few more point scoring points with them, but definitely we were expecting a lot more. Um, and I was expecting a lot more for the bike. But uh, yeah, that was a really tough year for me, 2017, because I kind of just hit a wall and nothing, nothing was going right. Really struggling with the team. And uh, yeah, there's not, 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 not happy. <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> It was not good, and I was I was quite depressed at the end of that year as well. Probably the worst that I'd been, you know, ever. Because um, I just thought, you know, I can't do this. This is not working. You know, maybe I'm not good enough. And um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of just don't know what I did, to be honest, to come back the next year and, and try again. But uh, yeah, I kind of just kept a positive-ish mind and just said, you know, we've got no option. Let's just come back and do our best and see what happens so that was going into 2018 and uh, actually things went pretty well um, until yeah I mean I think 
first three races I scored points and I had a, a top, uh, I think sixth or something in Argentina. And um, and then yeah, so after Argentina I go back to, to back home to Spain and start training motocross and then uh, yeah, probably I think three days before I go to Jerez in the middle of the season I break break my legs and that was a big uh, that was a big shock so yeah that was a month and a half of recovery and managed to come back quite fast and I was still doing okay with the bike managed to you know catch the eye of stop and go get a calyx what I wanted and and you know um, had some decent results there and, and the rest is history you know got got the, the Aki IO team contract and you guys know how that ended. <laughs> Pretty good. One second. So after 2019, mm -hmm. or from the start of 2019, your career seemed to make a jump. Yeah. I mean, you finally got the Calex, yeah. and then obviously you got the KGM contract. Mm -hmm. Can you uh, explain to me how the process from uh, doing good results at SAG yeah. and um, getting the attention of KTM to finalizing the contract, how did they approach you? How does this work? Yeah, so 2019 was a bit of a... Okay, it wasn't a bad year, but it was it was a tough year. <laughs> um, first time I had a Calyx. First time I had a bike that was, uh, you know, a bike to win on, basically. And um, basically, I was a little bit excited. I got the bike and I was like, now we're going to win the championship, big world champions. And managed to get a podium in, in the second race and fight for the podium in the first race. And, you know, I was like, we've done it. We're here. We're going to do it. Uh, unfortunately, it's a lot more to learn when you're at that point. And learn I did lots of crashes, lots of you know good opportunities that I threw away um, in 2019. We were fast, we were there, but uh, just uh, you know managed to you know screw it all up somehow. And um, yeah, uh, I, you know wasn't quite clicking with my crew chief either. And you know towards the end also was of the end of that year was tough, you know, um, and had to do a lot of self reflecting and what I needed to train and get better, you know for for 2020 and um yeah just worked on myself you know implicated new training routines and and uh yeah 2020 started off pretty well and then we had the quarantine and then after four or five months with no riding i remember it was the qatar race, qatar race yeah. where moto 3 and moto 2 we raced yeah. nagashima won the thing yeah. and everybody thought okay uh this is the guy yeah, yeah. then the <laughs> pandemic hits and yeah like two months no, no, we were four or five months with nothing. Yeah. So long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think from okay. January, March, uh, from... from March until July. From that March, everything. April, May, March, April, May, June, July. Five months. Ooh, that's that's tough, I guess. Yeah. And it was strange because after that everything changed. Nagashima all of a sudden wasn't there anymore, and yeah. Luca Marini, Ineva um, Bastianini, those yeah, uh, Sam was there as well. And yeah, um, it, for me, when I came back, uh, it was, I don't know why, I was able to ride a little bit, you know, but I don't know why, I just, I was struggling a little bit to get back into the groove um, with the bike, uh, and I think, you know, three races went by and I was not great. Um, they were point scorers, but, you know, not, not what we were doing before, and uh, 
then we got to Austria, I think, and everything started to go better. And uh, I had a I had a crash, I think, in Austria one because we had back to back in third position, and that was that for me was quite like destroying, you know, that I just thrown away another good championship. I'm like, oh man, I'm back to my old ways, like I was in. 2019 you know I've just thrown away another good opportunity and I was so pissed off at myself and so annoyed and just so like destroyed I couldn't believe it we had the Austria the next weekend I was like I'm not never not ever gonna let this happen again and uh went out <coughs> had a great race and uh I think we finished third and managed to get back on the podium for my second podium and and after that things started going better you know we went to Misano well, started going better. Went to Misano. I had a good weekend, the first one, and uh, then I sighted in warm up, I think, and broke my thumb and my foot, and had to operate my hand. But we managed to come back. I think two weeks later, with stitches in my hand to Mormello, and uh, and had a decent race, but uh, and a decent weekend. But uh, unfortunately, I had a defective tire, and I came out with holes and uh, went backwards. But then we went to Le Mans, I was back on the podium in second, and uh, I think then there was another podium. Uh, I can't remember. Maybe Aragon. Aragon, we had two good races, a fourth and a fifth, and then a podium in Valencia, and then, was it two Valencias or one Valencia? No, one Valencia. Two Valencias? Yes. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah, Valencia. Then, so I had what, the first week and I had a podium, and then we went out to dinner on Sunday night, and or Monday night, and I went and ate something that completely destroyed me on Tuesday, and I just had like diarrhea, like you cannot believe, diarrhea, and like, I was feeling so bad, like, so bad, I had fever, I had headaches, I thought I was like, oh, I got COVID, I got COVID, 100%. Test, no, nothing, and I'm like, guys, I've got all the symptoms, and the doctor's like, no, no, you're just eating something bad, oh my God, I was, I was shitting my brains out from Tuesday until Friday, every day on the toilet anything I ate just went straight through me and I was so dehydrated for Valencia I just like I, I wrote on Friday I was like guys I'm, I'm dead I can't ride properly like I think on Saturday we had a horrible qualifying as well and 18th or 19th on the grid and it was just going all wrong that weekend and then in the race I think I managed to come back to 7th or something uh, after everything so that was a really, really good, you know, end to the weekend of how it started, and and you know we kind of just kept this ball ball rolling, and uh, it was going really well, and I was just you know accumulating experience and good points, and you know lots of top five finishes, and then the the week after was was Portimao, and and you know that was my first ever win, and managed to you know give the win to the team for the last race before before we parted ways, which was which was nice. Along the process, where uh, did KTM and IU approach you for the first time? Yeah, this was happening. This was already, there was already interest from Aki back in Hareth, but my results were not amazing in Hareth, and there was nothing in Bruno either. But you know, there was definitely the glimpses here and there. Like you know, there seemed to be a little bit of potential, and uh, then with the pole, I think in Austria that I did uh, for the. First race, I'm gonna say. I think KTM then went. Oh, okay, maybe we can take that. And Aki, I know, was trying to convince KTM uh, to take me on 
uh, because ultimately, you know, KTM are the, the big bosses of, of Aki. So, um, yeah, uh, with that podium as well, that definitely secured it. And by Mizano, uh, everything was all wrapped up. So that was good. So Aki talked to you before in Jerez? Yeah. Okay, so he talked to you like, okay, you're doing a good job. I would like to have you for next year. Or yeah, how does yeah, this basically, work? Basically, you know, he said, you know, we need to improve a lot of things, and for sure, you know, he's, that's how Aki is. You know, he always very uh, instructive thinking is thinking. Let's say, you know, you know, we need to improve this and that, blah blah blah. But you know, it's interesting. I'd like to have you, you know, for next year on my team. Obviously, I need to get the approval from KTM. Blah blah blah. And, Yeah, uh, things didn't go too well for the first three races, so it was hard for him to kind of push that over the line. But you know, luckily I got those you know two good results, and uh, and yeah, by Misano they were convinced, and and we made it happen. So pretty much, uh, KTM discussed this internally and had nothing to do with you. Like yeah, you weren't in conversations, or not with uh, not with KTM uh, factory. No, okay. it was with Aki because ultimately it is Aki's team. Uh, obviously with the support of, of KTM, but you know, KTM have a big say in, in the decisions that are made. Okay, so you get the contract, 2021 starts off, you have an amazing Qatar, one yeah. and two. Um, and then over the summer, mm -hmm. I remember this, is, um, this stood out to me when we talked in Austria. Uh, this was probably a couple of weeks or days, whatever, after uh, they officially announced that you will be moving mm -hmm. up. Yeah. And I asked you about it, and you said pretty much nothing. You just said, okay, I'm focused on uh, Moto2, this yeah. is a good opportunity. And yeah. it seemed to me like you didn't even want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So um, was the MotoGP move already set up in the contract? Before? Yes, yes, okay. Yeah. So it wasn't a contract, yeah. and if you. So, yeah, there was like a, an option, let's say. Um, okay. Basically, you know, if KTM were happy that, you know, I could either stay in Moto 2 one more year, or, or, or if we were all happy and agreed, then, and, you know, the results were there, then we could move up. Yeah. Definitely, you know, there was kind of, uh, you know, the bait was there. Um, you know, they kind of waved the golden ticket in your face. And uh, if you, you know, show results and do well, you know, then. Um, basically, that was pretty much closed by Le Mans, I think. Okay. But it was all quite hush-hush, you know. Um, But in Le Mans, you didn't secure the victory the following weekend in uh, Mugello, yeah. which was, for me, one of your best races as well. Yeah. It seemed uh, there are a lot of similarities between Mugello and Portimao. Mm -hmm. uh, but before Mugello was pretty much sure that you'll be moving up to MotoGP? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think... I think we've officially signed it in the Mugello, actually. Okay. But yeah, it was pretty much you know done and dusted um, that we you know had agreed that this will happen. Yeah. And what's your uh, what's your mental state after knowing you will be moving up to MotoGP and you still have the whole Moto2 championship of, in front of you, but you can't get distracted. But everybody, obviously, from the outside is talking to you. I did, probably yeah, all your yeah. friends did, and all the media did. So how did how were you able to cut that out and just focus on the task ahead? I don't know. I just kind of did, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's hard, hard to explain. I just kind of forgot about it. and You forgot about the MotoGP seat. Yeah, I forgot about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just... Uh, in the end, I signed it, and you know, it's not something I had to worry about at that at that moment. 
you know, because it was for this year, you know, for the next year. It's, I don't know. But isn't it some kind of extra pressure because you know, okay, I have to do it this year, and if I don't, I will never win a Moto2 World Championship? No, I didn't think it like that. I thought, if I don't do it this year, then oh well. <laughs> At least I'm still going to MotoGP. <laughs> you know? Maybe it took pressure off, I don't know. It is probably the healthy way of approaching this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in the end, I was like, worst case scenario, I still go and, you know, get to, uh, you know, get to do my dream, which is be a MotoGP rider. So I thought, you know, let's just go and enjoy the year and do the best we can and see what happens. So what uh, were your first impressions in Misano of the MotoGP machine? Yeah, pretty, pretty gnarly. <laughs> the, the most surprising thing was the acceleration. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The acceleration was... I would have thought it would be the brakes. No, no. Everyone's like, the brakes, the brakes, the brakes. No, no, no. No, no way. The acceleration. acceleration? Oh, man. And I've ridden the fastest bikes in the world, and this is just on another fucking level. <laughs> It's out of control. Out of control. How long does it take for a rider to be comfortable on the bike? Uh, I don't know. I think that's kind of personal. But uh, I'd, I'd say the third day of Jerez, so the, the third, so, uh, sorry, the second day of Jerez, so that would have been the third day uh, riding the GP bike. I was starting to get a little bit more, you know, used to everything. Um, I was more just, you know, in pain with the ribs and, and worried about my physical condition than anything but if i think if you know if i was probably physically all right yeah probably would have been quite comfortable on the bike by then so i'd say you know three to five days until it's more or less normal okay so then you can start to push you can then start you can to start try to, yeah find okay. the limits of the bike and and uh you know and you know <laughs> start to complain about things <laughs> so there are uh two tests i believe left before the start of the season there will be yeah. Malaysia, yeah. there will be Indonesia. Indonesia, three, and they will probably do the Qatar test again. Really? Well, I guess, I don't me. know. I don't think so, no. no. They won't do it because they did it so. the last few years. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's not, not this year. It's, Are they? Uh, I think it's, so it's, well, I've got three more days in Malaysia than the official test. Oh, that's the shakedown the shake test down. they used to do in Qatar. Uh, maybe yeah okay maybe. yeah yeah exactly the okay. same so they got three days before so okay. because we're rookies we're allowed to do those three days plus the two days official so that's five in total in malaysia okay plus another three days in mandalika and then i think it's straight to guitar okay hmm. i didn't know that yeah but okay the more you know <laughs> <laughs> there you go so uh what are your expectations going into uh the tests first yeah. and foremost and then afterwards going to the season Yeah, so the the test, you know, is the expectation is not to hurt myself, obviously, and uh, you know. I mean, Marcos Ramirez is not there, so <laughs> <laughs> should be okay then. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's just the experience. Make sure I can get laps, you know, not do anything stupid, and and just like you said, get comfortable with the bike, um, understand the bike, understand the team. Uh, understand the tires, brakes, everything that's new, power, electronics, and just take it step by step. Um, and for expectation for the year, I'd love to try and fight for the rookie of the, of the, the title for the rookie of the year. Um, you know, there's a lot of fast guys that moved up, so it's going to be tough for sure. But uh, yeah, we'll see. It's uh, it's going to be a long, fun year, and there's a lot to lot to learn yet. But hopefully, yeah. 
you can always be moral rookie of the year. <laughs> <So> <laughs> don't put too much pressure no, on you. for sure. Just gotta enjoy it more than anything. <laughs> yeah. But there aren't any expectations from Tech 3 or KDM? No, no. I mean, the expectation is, you know, that we can always improve and, and, and hopefully improve the bike and, and just keep positive vibes, I think, more than anything and uh, just move forward and try and just try and improve and, and, and learn from each other. I think that's the expectation. How long is the contract uh, signed? Just so for 22? Yeah, so it's a one plus one. So it's one year plus uh, uh, an option okay. uh, for extension for 23. So looking back at your career, you seem like a rider. You need some time, but you get better each year. Yeah. I mean, in the Moto2, you can see it pretty clearly mm -hmm. that you uh, arrived there. Wasn't that great? I mean, as a rookie, it was okay, but... Every year you uh, improved regarding the circumstances, yeah. which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Impressive. And um, with uh, this in mind, I can see you over the, over the season progressing. And um, then hopefully uh, in 2023, you can fight for top position. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think uh, it'd be nice in 2023, maybe we can fight for a, for a top position. You never know what happens, you know, we've seen rookies get podiums before. Um, we have to see how I adapt. And uh, But yeah, I mean, every year is, I seem to improve. So hopefully, you know, I can take that into MotoGP. I'm sure it's not going to be uh, the title <laughs> this year, but... Uh, no Pedro Acosta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or Mark back in the day. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We just have to take it step by step and... Not do anything stupid, to be honest, you know. Um, but yeah, always improve. And, and like I said, there's a lot to learn first. And, and, and next year, obviously, hopefully we can improve again on what we did this year. Getting hurt is probably the worst case scenario in a rookie Definitely. season. So Definitely. And you see it a lot. So that's why, yeah. you know, that's, you know, it's about building confidence, especially with the bike. And when you hurt yourself and crash, you lose a lot of confidence. So it's taking it step by step. But it seemed like you sorted the crashing out. I mean, you had your horrible injuries, yeah. but uh, you don't seem like a rider that crashes a lot, yeah. and uh, which was key for your championship because Raul crashed out three times, I believe. You're just uh, one time in Austin and yeah. don't get hurt. Yeah, yeah, that's, didn't get hurt, yeah. that's probably uh, the most important thing. Yeah. Um, speaking of next season, how do you see the title battle? Because everybody is pretty much saying, okay, Peko is a, almost a lock for a title because he has such a strong, had such a strong ending for um, the 2021 yeah. season. Yeah. But also, you can't forget about Fabio. You don't know what's up with Mark. Yeah. If he uh, returns to the form he left in Misano, he can be challenging for a title. How do you yeah. see this? Yeah, I mean, um, I think yeah, Bagnaia, you wouldn't you wouldn't be wrong if you were going to say he's probably you know probably the title favorite, especially with the Ducati. Um, you know, it's probably the best bike at the moment, um, power wise, top speed wise, electronics and chassis, and you know, uh, technical developments that they have. They almost yeah. come up with the most Everything. ridiculous yeah, shit ever. They they're always they're always the one inventing stuff. So. Yeah, definitely a good rider, good bike, good team, uh, hard to beat. Um, but you know, Fabio did it this year and uh, the Yamaha is still a good bike and Fabio is still a great rider. 
So, you know, I think there's a few. Um, you know, don't forget about Jack. You know, he might be able to step up the game this year and, and, and fight with Banyaya. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah I, I'm not really sure what to, to say other riders at the moment. But, yeah, there's, uh, you know, there might be a, a, a surprise there. If you had to pick one, who will be your 2022 championship prediction? I'd say Banyaya. Yes? Francesco, yeah. He seems to be like in a state of mind, which reminds me a lot of Jorge Lorenzo back at his yeah, top no form. Mistakes, no mistakes, and clean. Yeah, no mistakes, He definitely. doesn't get confused by other things, yeah. he just yeah. uh, puts the foot on the gas. No, for sure, for sure. Just, uh, just gets the job done and very consistent, no mistakes. And he's fast, he's, he's, he's really fast. He has had a few mistakes, but you know, I'm sure he'll take those, those yes. errors and he'll learn from them. But if you take out the uh, crash that he has in Mugello, where he crashed out in the lead, and let's just for the sake of it assume he wins that race, yeah. and um, Misano, and yeah. just for the sake of it, let's assume uh, he wins that race, yeah. we would have a totally different conversation about the for title sure. this year. Sure. So, um, and he seemed so strong. And also, I got a lot of negative vibes from Fabio about the new bike mm. which seems like the momentum swung more to Peko and left Fabio a bit but yeah. it remains to be seen I mean he did a lot of work early in the season yeah so yeah. maybe I, he I, can yeah. continue I've heard also you know things that you know Yamaha brought a new bike and they weren't happy or I'm not sure but I've heard a few rumors that it's not they're not so happy And they brought a few engines as well and they weren't happy and you know it's apparently something was going on so but i don't know i don't know i'm not in the yamaha box <laughs> i'm in the KTM of course <laughs> speaking of ktm uh, you're in a pretty unique uh, spot because you yeah. fought for the title against your teammate Raul, mm -hmm. and now you switched to uh, tech 3 in the moto gp class with the same teammate mm -hmm. Uh, how has your relationship developed over this championship fight and how do you um, how do you um, maybe learn from this championship fight in order to to beat him as a teammate um, yeah I mean you know we always kept it clean um, especially in the box you know everything was you know we always fought our battles out on track um, you know I, I never did anything to you know sabotage him in the box or in And outside of the track basically or even in the track you know it was always clean racing and, and fair racing and I've said it many times before we'll do the fighting on track and whoever wins is the better man um, for sure I've learned a lot you know of how to manage that as well as having having your you know title contender in the box um, but more from my side um, you know as well trying to you know keep that on your mind um, and yeah, like you said, I'll probably bring that into into this year and, and, and any other years that you know I'm sharing a box with a, a title uh, a contender or, or a difficult component uh, uh, opponent. So you know, it's always also good to have someone fast in the box that you can learn from. And you know, he learns from me, and, and you know, in the end, that's why we, I think we were so strong because we kind of just pulled each other along all the time and we were just you know so much faster than the other guys sometimes it was incredible have you heard some stories about teammates sabotaging each other uh, I mean you always hear the, the Valentino Jorge yeah, <laughs> Lorenzo one and 
the Vinales, Valentino. It seems a lot about Valentino, but I don't know. Uh, you hear all the rumors, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's I've never had any problems with that personally. That's a good way of uh, treating a teammate, I guess, because sure. it makes your life easier as well. If you're oh, beefing sure. with the guy all the time, uh, you yeah, have to I mean, worry about him. Yeah, you have to live with him in the box, and you know, in the end, you need to you need to, you need to be respectful as well, you know, to, to to your competitors. You know, we're all they're out there wanting the same thing as you, and you need to understand that and, and respect that. I have a topic uh -huh. that. Um, We were discussing uh, sometimes, be uh, sometime because because uh, KTM they have a very unique spot. They have the factory team with uh, Oliveira and uh, with Brad Binder who do a decent job. Yeah. And they have Raul and you and the Tech 3 team, but also they have all the guys coming up, and they yeah. want they certainly don't want to lose, for example, Pedro to Honda. Mm -hmm. Or uh, maybe Augusto uh, Fernandez pulls a Remy Gardner and wins the championship next year. So they have this kind of struggle that they have all the places in place in MotoGP, but has a lot of riders coming up. So I had to, to, the question to myself: um, oh, the dog. The dog's coming. She's angry. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. What you doing, Bella? Huh? You want to talk to? <laughs> Want to hear your opinion about KTM? <laughs> so yeah, what I was uh, yeah. thinking is uh, Where that are they, they put them now. Yeah, that yeah. there could be a possibility of KTM bringing six bikes. Have could you be. heard uh, anything? No, or? I, I don't know anything about that. Um, you know, I think that's bit, probably gossip for this year, um, probably mid this year. At the moment, I've heard nothing about that. Um, You know, I can't stay asleep too long as if because if they don't want to bring other bikes, you know, and Pedro's winning as well and, and Augusto's winning and I'm not doing too well, then maybe they say, Remy, you're out, you know, but, you know, they're very fair, you know, KTM, and they usually give you your, your time to show you show what you can do. Um, so, yeah, maybe they bring more bikes, maybe, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Uh, I haven't heard anything, and I actually haven't even thought about that, so... Maybe I'm a bit early to the party. I think so. I think so. <laughs> so Speculating. <laughs> Talking about Pedro, you two seem to be very close. Uh, did this relationship develop over this season, or did yeah. you know each other before? No, no, we didn't know each other before. Um, yeah, sharing you know the box with him, um, we got to know each other, and uh, yeah, I was kind of you know helping him a little bit, you know, in in sort of being like a mentor to him a little bit you know trying to you know improve the, the mistakes he was making at the beginning of the year and i think you know he's which mistakes <laughs> well if you have a look at some of the race craft he did and things like that um especially in in bigger tracks like jello and stuff um where he attacked too early and And then he, he got drafted by the other guys and ended up, you know, I think eighth or ninth in Mugello because he just went one lap too early. And if you check the next race, he did exactly, you know, what he needed to do. And he, he learns quite fast. And, and in the end, we got kind of like a, like a brother relationship, you know. We're really good mates and, and we always tell each other, you know, what to do and how to help each other. If the track was a bit dodgy, he'd come run in and tell me, hey, be careful this corner. And I'd do the same for him, so... Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a nice relationship it's, we got. It's nice to see because uh, when he won the championship in Portimao, yeah. he was celebrating. When you won the championship yeah. in Valencia, he was celebrating. Yeah. And um, Clara and him seem to get along yeah. quite yeah. good. So it's, it's beautiful. Ah, for sure. It's, I, it's really nice. It's really nice. I think next week he might come up and, 
can stay a day or two, so we'll go training. We'll see. So we stay another week? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I'm waiting on him to tell me what, what's happening, but yeah, maybe. We'll what do you see for him in Moto2? Because obviously it's a very... He's, he's going to kill it? Yeah, he's going to kill it. I'm not sure if he can win it the first year. Uh, there's a lot to learn in Moto2, but uh, I'm sure he'll have a really good results and he'll be, uh, he'll be there. He'll be fast. Yeah. That's what I think as well, but I don't think he will win no. the championship. He'll be there. He'll be there. Championship, I'm not sure. I'm going to say yes, why not? But meh, realistically, might be a little bit difficult for experience-wise and also he's young and these yeah. bikes require a lot of maturity to ride them. So... Not sure, we'll see. It seems to me like you need a lot more consistency consistency in Moto2 yes, yes. than in Moto3. And also 2020 and 2021 mm -hmm. seem to be the perfect season to be a rookie champ because he comes from the Spanish championship. He don't uh, has to go overseas yeah. except from America. But uh, all those new tracks, they didn't... Um, Yeah, for Happen. sure, they've, they've, they've favored him. Yeah, yeah, for sure, it's helped him, you know, being with the European tracks and, and, uh, and not having all the Asian tracks. But yeah, you know, in the end, you still have to do it and uh, you still have to win the races. So um, yeah, we'll see. We'll and see. I, mean, I mean, he won in Qatar, which kind of proves my point wrong. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's, uh, it'll be interesting and I'm sure you'll have a podium, at least a few podiums. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, me too. I'm yeah. kind of excited. Yeah. Because, um, I know obviously, I, I'm a big fan of this guy. Uh, <laughs> Me too. He's, but this season, if you think about it, is so ridiculous what he did. I mean, he won from the pit lane. Yeah, yeah. He crashed in Le Mans. And still finished picked the bike up and finished eighth. Eighth, yeah. Then uh, he won a couple of races ah, it's ridiculous. here and there. It's, it's ridiculous. But uh, also the way he won the championship is so ridiculous yeah, yeah. he's fighting with Foggia and Darren Binder comes just in and dive bombs and just managed to take out, out <laughs> yeah. Foggia and he, he's got a clear way to the victory Because he just... overtook Dennis Foggia in the same yeah. corner and if he didn't, didn't do that he would have taken out yeah. Pedro it's just yeah it's, it's like Valentino so too in the making yeah. you know, so. he seems to be <laughs> yeah thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> he seems to be always in the right spot Yeah. And you get that a lot, uh, a lot from Mark Marquez as well, because Mark, Valentino, yeah, they yeah. seem to be always in the right yeah. place. Something they got, you know. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, probably the we'll hardest. We'll see for work. the future. Yeah. it's going to be interesting for sure. The hardest workers get somehow most lucky. Yeah, exactly. it is what it is. Exactly. So uh, you guys uh, go training. We'll see. I'm not sure yet, but uh, hopefully it comes up next week and we do some dirt track in motocross. So what's a normal training day for you like? Uh, just to ride bikes more than anything. Just to ride uh, either it's trials, motocross or dirt track or yeah, if not, if I'm not doing any of that or super motard, if and any days off that I'm not doing that, I'm here working in the workshop. So, uh, so no gym or no, no gym, no you see a lot of riders like uh, Aleish Espargo yeah, no, no, cycling all the time? I don't, I don't own a bicycle, so I don't. Do that. I go for a run sometimes, take the dog. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, I think the best training for riding a motorcycle is riding a motorcycle. So you do that a lot of time, and you don't uh, do, you don't overcomplicate it. No, I don't. I mean, in the end, we've got to train what we're doing. Okay. Riding a motorcycle, so not a bicycle. Or 
uh, pushing weights. So for sure, I can understand people that need to build up that strength. But me personally, I'm built quite big and I just get that strength from riding. That seems like a reasonable strategy for training. Simple. Keep it easy. So I wish you the best luck for next year. Thank you. Or this year, yeah. for next season. This season. Thank you very much yeah. for taking your time and okay. I appreciate you. That's been fun. It's been a good chat. See you. Thank you. Goodbye. Cheers, guys.